Hi, I'm Janine Strawn, the Tiny House Guru and founder of Tiny House Solutions and the president of the Australian Tiny House Association. I'm here to talk to you about all things tiny and in this podcast I'll be discussing some topics that will get you thinking about whether tiny house living is for you as well as all sorts of tips regarding finding a site, working out a budget, designing your space, choosing your materials, building and moving your tiny, how you can earn an income from your tiny house and so much more. My passion for tiny houses stemmed from my passion for sustainability and the environment. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast you can relate. All of my advice is based on my personal and professional experience and I recommend you do your own due diligence. You can find out more about what I do or try Tiny House Living by checking out my website at www.tinyhousesolutions.com.au and if by listening to these podcasts you think I can assist you in achieving freedom, in living your dream and wanting information on our Tiny House models, then consider booking a consult time with me to discuss your project. Hi. In this podcast, I'm going to be talking to you about where can I place my tiny? And that's perhaps one of the most common questions I get asked, is where can I put my tiny? Well, the answer is a little bit complex. Tiny houses on wheels currently come under caravan regulations, considering most tiny houses are on wheels or on trailers. They're not covered in the national building regulations at this stage at least, but more on that later when we talk about building. Depending on which council area you want to live in, there may be limitations on how long a tiny house, in brackets, caravan, can be occupied within any given period. It might be 30 days, 60 or 180. And this is usually covered by council local law. You might be wondering why is this the case. So firstly, there's no uniform planning code for the treatment of tiny houses across Australia. A few councils in some states are starting to becoming tiny house friendly, but it will be important that all councils become tiny house friendly to stave off the housing crisis. Some councils let tiny houses go under the radar, but others will be concerned with the management of wastewater effluent coming from the tiny house, overlooking into, overlooking into neighbouring properties, managing rubbish generated by the occupants, ensuring setbacks are maintained, parking of cars, and dealing with any complaints arising from neighbours. At the Australian Tiny House Association, at which I'm on the Executive Committee, we developed a planning policy template and have provided this to Australian councils to encourage and guide the inclusion of tiny houses in their planning schemes. If you know which region you wish to live in, then consider inquiring with the council to hear how they support tiny houses in their community. Most councils across Australia are becoming aware of their growing interest and need for tiny houses and some are interested in supporting them in their area whilst others might turn a blind eye until a neighbour complains and a small number are starting to include tiny houses in housing policies that will help to legitimise tiny houses. The state planning regulations address secondary or ancillary dwellings differently but these are dwellings that are on foundations and require a building permit and hence needs to comply with the National Construction Code. More on compliance when we talk about the National Construction Code in another podcast. Most tiny houses are built in one place, then transported to the site 
So when it comes to looking for your future home site, try looking for land six months out from your move as it takes a while to find the right site to meet your needs. I've met people in the tiny houses in the tiny house sector that won't start building their tiny house until they've secured land, whether it be their land or another person's land for its placement. But the truth of the matter is that it may take four months to two years to build a tiny house, depending on your circumstances. And by the time the land you had envisaged is no longer available. I suggest starting your build and simultaneously searching for land to call home. There are many landholders now that are keen to offer a segment of their yard to site a tiny house and the occupants either pay a nominal rent or caretaking duties, which is really a win-win situation for both parties. So outside of the regulatory considerations, what else should you be looking for in placing your tiny house? The route for towing that avoids low hanging trees and power lines, the width of the access track onto the site, the slope of the access track, offering good vehicle access, whether or not the site is level enough to receive the tiny house, whether you'll have access to potable water, where can you dispose of waste, wastewater legally on site, whether you can dispose of grey water into vegetable gardens or garden beds, the ability to position your tiny house for summer shade, if there will be any area where you can install solar panels if going off grid, or whether you can connect to the host's power supply without putting too much demand on it, whether or not you can avoid removing trees, if the location you're considering is in a bushfire prone area, and how you'll be able to dispose of your generated waste or recyclables. Now that we've addressed some points about regulatory considerations, as well as access, other things to consider are, are you going to be off-grid or on-grid? And are you looking for a rural, regional or urban location? Do you want to be close to public transport and close to friends and family? These are all questions to consider when planning your tiny house journey. What you might like to consider is creating a nicely designed flyer showcasing what your tiny house will look like when finished with an outline of what you are looking for with respect to power and water and waste, access to parking under suitable trees, flattish land. Let the potential landowner know whether or not you're offering to pay a nominal rent or are happy to provide caretaking services in exchange for a site and how many people will be living in the tiny house. Can you obtain any tenancy references and, of course, include your contact details. Once you've done this, start looking around at properties in the area which you like and drop the postcard into letterboxes where available. Place them on local news boards in community centres and neighbourhood houses and supermarkets. Ask locals if they know of any people that may have suitable land. Also consider putting an ad on Gumtree, Facebook, Marketpla Facebook Marketplace or the Facebook page of Tiny House Land to rent or buy in Australia. Once you get some responses, go and check out the site. And if the site ticks most of your boxes, see if the landowner has any other questions that they need answered in order to feel comfortable. You could think about entering into a tenancy agreement with the landowner so that you're both covered if a dispute arises, but this will depend on your state regulations. Usually you will be required to remediate the site back to the standard pre-tiny house occupation, so take before and after photos to be safe. 
There have been a couple of disaster stories between a tiny house owner and a landowner, and it usually arises due to assumptions and poor communication. If the landowner if the landowner offers to create better access for your tiny house, before you agree to it, you need to establish if you will be expected to contribute financially to the improvement works. A suggestion is to enter into a trial or probation period so that both parties can test the waters before long-term investment is made. Also, you will need to make, ins- uh, make sure that you've got insurance coverage for public liability as well as the normal features for property damage, fire and theft. Bear in mind that if someone complains about the tiny house, the local council may attend the site and, depending on the complaint, may ask you to address something or even ask you to move on. We covered a lot today about what to consider for your tiny house site and how to look for a suitable site. Now you've got quite a few things to think about, but you've also got a bit of a structure to your journey. If by listening to these podcasts you want to know more about our tiny house models or stay in a tiny house, then check out www.tinyhousesolutions.com.au and see how we could work together. If you're also interested in sustainable design but on a larger scale then you might also like to check out my other podcast Tips from the Sustainable Design Expert. Have a wonderful day.